Welcome back to another dispatch from Holly McKay. Today we are going to go to Puerto Rico, where Holly has visited recently. We're going to talk about a very uncomfortable subject, and that has to do with respect for women in the territory of Puerto Rico. Holly, tell us a little bit about what you found. Right. So this, uh, you know, this issue was brought to my attention um, by friends of mine living in Puerto Rico, and I was introduced to this uh, beautiful young woman named Carla Hernandez. And she, I'm, you know, to be quite frank, she was she was raped by a stranger in a very popular tourist area whilst waiting for her husband uh, to come out of the surf. And that was on December 18 of 2020. Um, and unfortunately, you know, in Puerto Rico, it is something that is, um, you know, it's sort of rarely prosecuted. Women rarely come forward because it really just is such a prevalent sort of thing. Um, but for Carla, she really wanted to sit down and talk about it. She wanted to go into detail about it. And she really wanted her story told because she felt that um, she was not getting fair treatment from the justice system, that a state of emergency had even been declared in Puerto Rico with regard to violence against women, and yet nothing was changing. And so, you know, in Carla's sort of uh, purview, the only way to, to sort of instigate change was going to the media and is sort of highlighting and, and bringing that negative attention on Puerto Rico, which, um, you know, again, that, that sort of compounds the criticism that she's already getting uh, from government entities, but it's something she's willing to do because she she really believes that in speaking out, not only is that going to bring her closer to justice, but hopefully that will help other women going forward. Okay, well, in her case, so exactly what happened as far as, uh, you know, the, the not the incident, which is tragic and brutal, but uh, in the aftermath of the incident, how does the government of Puerto Rico handle these kinds of things and if, if they are prevalent and, and recurring? Yeah, I mean, it really was quite shocking when she was sort of telling me um, and, you know, showing me a lot of documentation that, you know, her and her husband, you know, very straight away, they called 911, they made the police report, she went to the hospital and, and had to have all the tests and things. Um, and she really just said her story was dismissed pretty much from the get go, that the police agent in charge of her case was unresponsive and failed to really communicate. And they didn't weren't interested in sort of tracking down the cameras uh, that local businesses had in the area to identify the suspect. Um, you know, months kind of went on and, and despite her continued pleas to, to keep moving forward, um, to look at a police identification lineup, she just said that, you know, she was basically kind of ignored and, and it became this sort of, I, th I think it took by April and mind you, the incident happened in December and it really wasn't until April that she was able to actually have a meeting with the prosecutor. And one thing that, that really stood out when she said to me was that, you know, this was obviously happening behind closed doors, but they wouldn't even allow her husband to kind of be there with her as, as support. Um, and obviously for, for any woman that's been through this sort of trauma, um, having that support system is, is really crucial. And so that was difficult for her and she just said that they were really unwilling to answer most of her questions. They told her that basically there wasn't any proof that what had happened to her had actually happened. Um, and then sort of tried to sort of intimidate her into backing down by saying that the suspect had the best lawyer in town. Um, and if the case went to court, she would be shred to pieces. And this is the sort of thing that 
I mean, it just seems so archaic in, in 2022 that these sort of shakedowns are still happening and, and it's just a reminder that they really still are. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, <laughs> it reminds me of um, how uh, mm. cases were, were like this were treated you know, well before the advent of, uh, you know, civil rights for women in, in the United States. And, you know, and this is a U.S. territory. So why is it so far behind uh, the, the rest of the mainland? Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and San Juan has received a lot of money from the United States and specifically to tackle this issue. And so that was really something else that Carla had raised was, the importance of, of really following through with this emergency declaration and actually seeing concrete change. And so in the end, really, um, you know, last June, this was, you know, mind you, more than six months after the rape, uh, Carla and Gerald, her husband, they finally hired their own private investigator. Um, and, you know, he sort of did his own due diligence in the matter and then even sort of came back and said that there was word that, that some in the government were planning to turn the tables and, and put charges on Carla for false statements. And, and it just, you know, it's sort of that one thing after another. And yet she's this, you know, incredibly brave woman who's continuing to, to kind of continue to fight and, and, and stand up for herself and stand up for so many other women that are in this position. So um, she's continuing with it. And then, you know, even down to the sort of the basic, nuance of needing to find a lawyer and she said so many of the lawyers that they've spoken to or hired um have turned the case away because they are you know afraid for their own careers and their own future and so in, you know they even requested to um be able to represent themselves and that was something that was denied and you know something that that Carla is, is continuing to fight on so it is it is quite mind-boggling but I think you know with some awareness and with people like Carla that are still willing to, to bring some awareness to the issue, um, you know, that is the only way change is going to, to happen. And, and, and mind you, I, this is all going down despite the millions of dollars that have been allocated, not just since the emergency declaration, but really over the past several decades. Um, in 1996, uh, Puerto Rico established domestic violence legislation, and that was designed to end impunity for perpetrators. Um, yet numbers have continued to rise, and, and particularly after the, the very devastating 2017 Hurricane Maria, which decimated much of the, the island, um, that, that sort of instigated another huge spark, and, you know, that can be attributed to, um, you know, the stress of the situation, the loss of jobs, the loss of housing, and then you compound that um, even more so with the, the lockdowns that came from coronavirus, and it really is, um, you know, such a, a mess to be quite frank, and and Puerto Rico has actually got one of the highest rates of gender violence per capita in the entire world. So, um, you know, it is it is a, a crisis that I think is is too big to ignore. And the governor himself has sort of acknowledged that, and that's why that state of emergency was declared. But the the issue now is uh, is what happens to actually cement concrete change. Hmm. Interesting. That's so. Is her case? typical or unusual because it sounds almost like whoever it oh, i don't know there, there's just some thing in my head that, that rings why is this guy so protected 
Yeah, and you know, and and again, I think it's a sort of a situation where it, it may. I think there are multiple factors. One that you know Carla had sort of pressed was that this happened in a very popular tourist area, and of course, nobody wants to give the impression that a very popular tourist area may not as be as safe as what the glossy brochures want you to know. So there's certainly that to keep in mind. Um, and it's also just that a lot of women, you know, they, they don't speak out against what happened to them. Or if they do, they are sort of shut down or intimidated or end up kind of being compelled to, to kind of close um, the cases, um, which was almost what happened to Carla. And she's one of the few that, that continues to fight it. That isn't the case for a lot of women that don't sort of have that um, sensibility or the resources or, or really... Um, you know, it's a challenging thing to go through. It's a, it's a constant re-trauma. And so I think that also is a big factor in it. And really just, I think, to, you know, to a degree, and, and this is something Color and I discussed, was you're looking at a very hyper-sexualized culture. And so the, even the sort of the idea that, that a woman um, would say no to something or that, um, you know, isn't you know, isn't going to want to have the extramarital affair or whatever it is that that's sort of still something that um, is a little foreign to uh, that, that which is my mindset, I think, to some degree. Um, and so, it, you know, it is really about about shifting that mindset and about, um, you know, believing what these women are going through. And, and I think there are so many that have been pushed into the shadows and, and even worse, you know, is the fact that dozens of women have already been killed in, in sort of femicide incidents and, and violence against women or intimate partner violence in Puerto Rico this year. And so um, there is sort of a movement where there are a lot of activists that are taking to the streets and they're demanding progress and they're demanding change. Um, and then they're saying that they're not going to be pushed aside with these scare tactics anymore. So I think it's something that San Juan is really going to have to deal with sooner rather than later. And I think because it is a U.S. territory and because we as taxpayers are, you know, helping to, to keep this beautiful island um, kind of afloat, you know, controversially. But, it, you know, it is a problem that, that impacts us um, because Puerto Rico, you know, in a sense is, is part of the United States. Yeah, interesting. Well, so essentially what it sounds like you're describing is that Puerto Rico is where the U.S. was almost half a century ago. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, again, I, I see this in a lot of the countries that I work in. Um, it, it does ring sort of a sense of, of being a little bit, um, yeah, how we were uh, previously. And, and again, it's that, that key word progress is what these activists are seeking. Yeah. Okay. So, um, what's the prognosis for, um, you know, g given that the government of Puerto Rico is uh, has begun some work? Yeah. Well, the expectation you know, of how quickly it'll change. Yeah. Again, change takes time, but it certainly takes people like Carla to to sort of keep pushing it. And and I know that she's really tried to do things um, behind closed doors to sort of follow the protocol. Um, to, to follow that legal path and that really hasn't got her to where she needs to be. And so therefore, um, 
public pressure, the media is sort of that last resort of what activists then have to kind of turn to. And it's not their first, you know, resort. They they love their country. They want the best for their country and their people. But when you can't get the results you want behind closed doors, it's, you know, sometimes having to, to kind of be a lot more vocal about it is really the only way to go. Yeah. Well, wow. Well, there's a story. Um, it wasn't something that I was expecting to interview you about this week, but uh, it's certainly disturbing in a way that they're, you know, not too far from the U.S. and the U.S. territory. They're, they're, it's a half a century behind where the rest of the United States is kind of is right now. I mean, you know, that's arguable given other things that are happening in the in the country. But yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. But, but definitely uh, encourage it, it, everybody to to read yeah, the story yeah. in the newsletter and, and learn more about what Carla is enduring. And um yeah, please uh knowledge is all we can ask for in, in cases like this and 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 building that awareness. There you go. Well, thank you, Holly, uh, once again, for bringing awareness to stories that would otherwise be ignored. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of your specialty. So um, a very good dispatch this week, and we look forward to the next one. Thank you, Dennis.